Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. In DC, it's the new Crown Corporation that is tapping $500 million for investments in British Columbia companies, and it has just tapped its first ever CEO. NBC's mandate is geared towards what the government describes as high growth potential businesses here in the province. And with us to dive into the latest news and much more, it is Ravi Kalan. He is BC's Minister of Jobs, Economic Recovery and Innovation. I apologize if I'm uh, missing any additional uh, titles there, Minister, but uh, thank you for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Tyler. And I know it's a, it's a mouthful uh, of a title, but uh, you, you nailed it. Well, lots of portfolios that uh, you're in charge of. And um, as we get into it, though, you know, I, I gave a, a brief description at the top there, but how would you describe NBC for listeners that might not be super familiar with it right now? Well, NBC is uh, half a billion dollars of patient capital, which uh, will go to supporting BC businesses so companies can uh, grow and scale here, uh, but also can help us address many of the societal challenges that we face. Uh, so very value driven. Of course, we want to see um, the uh, the investments made uh, throughout the province, uh, distributed throughout the province. We also want to see uh, uh, businesses that are run by BIPOC community, for, for example example, get access, Indigenous communities to get access. So the half a billion dollars uh, is sector agnostic, but it's patient capital so that we can see our companies grow here and uh, see good employment opportunities for British Columbia. Well, the new CEO uh, just appointed, it is Jill Earthy. She's been a guest uh, on this show a few times over the years as well, and uh, always great to talk to and uh, pick her brain for insights. Uh, What makes her the right fit to lead this new Crown Corporation? Well, Jill uh, hits uh, so many of the key things we wanted to see in a CEO for uh, NBC. She's well known. She's well respected here in British Columbia. Uh, Her work around uh, diversity and inclusion is well known and well respected. She's uh, run companies. She's uh, an entrepreneur by by nature. Uh, And so she hit all the pieces that we needed in a CEO. And our hope is uh, that with her skill set at building relationships, Relationships, um, and it, we're going to be able to see the fund go from half a billion to maybe a billion or more uh, with leveraging other partners to invest alongside in BC. I'm also curious how this fund is going to be managed. I think back to when I was covering the launch of the BC Tech Fund, in which uh, they looked to Toronto-based Kensington Capital to manage the investments, and uh, Kensington Capital opened uh, an office here uh, with uh, Jerry Sinclair to help manage that. Um, How is this one going to be managed here in British Columbia? Well, the uh, board right now is in the process of hiring a chief investment officer, uh, which will lead the uh, investments uh, for uh, NBC. Uh, What's unique about NBC, and it's modeled off of the Danish Strategic Investment Fund and also uh, Ireland's uh, and Scotland now, uh, their investment funds, is that it's independent of government. So the chief investment officer uh, will not have contact with uh, myself as the minister responsible or anyone in government. Uh, The chief investment officer won't be directed by the board in any direction or any way uh, in the investments they make. So uh, that gives, uh, I think, the private sector some confidence that uh, the decision making is being made independently and gives confidence for uh, investment to be made alongside of it. So it makes it unique, unique to North America, for sure, uh, but not unique in the world, as we've seen funds in Europe uh, with the similar uh, mandates. 
Yeah, and I was kind of curious about that. I was going to ask you about that because I know the board features uh, BC's Deputy Finance Minister, uh, Heather Woods, uh, also your former colleague, uh, the, the former Finance Minister, uh, Carol James, as well. Um, but but how do they know what the mandate is going to be? You, you know, like you're saying it's going to be hands off with government, but uh, how do they know that they're on the right track with regards to where you guys want the money to be going? Well, the investment policy work is happening right now. The board is leading that consultation and uh, they'll be um, making suggestions on what the investment policy statement might work look like. And that work is ongoing. Uh, the board, again, uh, is not going to be uh, giving direct um, uh, guidance or involved in any way with the chief investment officer's decision making. So that makes it uniquely independent from uh, a normal structure that uh, a crown corporation, for example, may uh, function under. So uh, we do have, as you highlighted, um, a deputy minister and, a, and the former minister of finance on. But if you look through the uh, members that are uh, represented on the board, it's quite the impressive list. Uh, and it's being led by the CEO of Van City. And Christine has been doing an amazing job uh, with uh, um, NBC in the early days of the organization. And again, early days of the organization, uh, but the organization does say that it will be guided by the social, economic, environmental policy objectives of the government. And I guess, um, what would those objectives include, just from your perspective? Well, we want to see uh, more growth. We want to see clean growth for the province. And so we know that, for example, climate change is going to require 50% of the innovation required to address climate change have not even been created yet. Uh, and so we know we're going to see some uh, patient investment uh, to address climate change. We have huge opportunities in agritech with biotech. Um, we have huge opportunities with companies uh, in the AI and ARVR space, uh, you name it. I mean, the, the sector here is booming. Uh, of course, this fund is sector agnostic. Um, and so the fund will be able to invest uh, where they think uh, the chief investment officer believes uh, meets the objectives of the, of the fund. Uh, but it's, it's really exciting. I think there's a huge opportunity for us as we move forward, as I said, to provide that patient capital, see the outcomes that we want to see for the province. Information Commissioner Michael McAvoy, he raised concerns over NBC's transparency. It's not covered by the Freedom of Information Act. I'm curious why not enable that to talk to us a little bit about the transparency behind this grand corporation. Well, uh, first off, the fund is a continuation of the investment uh, fund that was created, the Immigrant Investor Fund that was created by the previous government, which, by the way, uh, uh, ensured that FOI wasn't covered by it to protect the private information that was coming in. So this is a continuation of that fund. It's also important to note that we uh, did go and get feedback from the BC Business Council, from the Canadian uh, innovators, uh, from those in investment community, and we heard overwhelmingly that um, uh, by putting these additional measures in, that that would put a chill in the market. And we would uh, uh, perhaps see investments that we'd want to invest in uh, not come forward out of fear of losing um, important sensitive information. And so uh, the decision was made on the feedback of our stakeholders. Uh, and, uh, and But we have built in uh, many measures, uh, uh, public uh, reporting every year of all the investments, uh, an audit every four years. Um, so there are measures in place to ensure public accountability of the fund. Uh, in fact, more than the fund that was there previously. Uh, and so I'm confident that the fund will be able to move forward in a good way. 
The commissioner, though, he did bring up that he would find that these annual reports, uh, his words, would be in the form and manner specified by the minister. That that would be you. And those external reviews would only occur, I think you just said four years, but uh, McAvoy is referring to five years. And he, he said they, this falls short. You know, uh, Have you taken into consideration some of these criticisms uh, from the information commissioner? Uh, you know, we have, uh, we uh, canvassed them extensively, uh, and we heard overwhelmingly uh, from the business community in particular, that uh, that this would have a chilling effect. And so uh, we want the fund to be a success, uh, but we also want transparency. And so that's why we've structured it in the way we have, uh, to ensure that there's public reporting every, uh, every year, that there's an audit process built in place. Um, and and we, we feel confident that there's enough public transparency there to ensure that both uh, the public get the information they need as well as the fund is able to have success. Yeah, but the public would be getting information though. Would it just be every four or five years? Is that kind of the, the rate at which the public would be getting that information? The, the fund would uh, be reporting out yearly. In fact, it would be tabled in the House so that all, all members of the legislature would be able to see the report. Okay, and I, I just, I'll, I'll make this last uh, question though, but ICBC's investment funds, they're able to withstand all this. Why not NBC? What, what makes NBC so different? Uh, as I've said, Tyler, we have consulted widely uh, and overwhelmingly the feedback was that this would have a chilling effect on the fund. In fact, that's the very reason why the previous government, the BC Liberals, when they created the Immigrant Investor Fund, they also precluded the FOI rules because that was a feedback they had gotten at the time. And so we have also gotten the similar feedback and we want to make sure that we built in the public transparency so the public could see what the fund was doing, but also see good investment deals come forward uh, so that we can see the growth in the economy and growth in our BC ecosystems that we want. Well, thinking about the economy right now, uh, as we look at the rebuilding process, uh, I've been writing a lot about labor issues. Um, what is kind of the, the game plan right now? Are, are you and the rest of the government looking at ways that we can address what's going to be like a, a big surge in labor to help rebuild uh, our critical infrastructure, our transportation networks, get those supply lines moving once again? Well, there's a lot to do, uh, as you've just highlighted in your question. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we know we're going to need a lot of people to uh, to ensure that our economy continues to move forward. We uh, just about uh, just over a month ago announced 85 million dollars additional dollars to uh, have micro credentials in place so that we could start to address some of the challenges. We are right now uh, are building out the the largest tech space increase in generations for British Columbia, because we know we're going to need those spaces uh, available to support all the investments we're seeing in the province. Uh, we also know we're going to need to make uh, critical infrastructure investments. Uh, we have been making them, moving people with uh, the investments in uh, TransLink uh, to expand the uh, SkyTrain lines. We've been making huge investments in our ports. Just recently, we made a, an investment in Prince Rupert port. Uh, we continue to make investments in the region to ensure that goods are continue to move. And now we've seen that climate change is going to have a major impact on um, our economy as we move forward. And so we need to look at all our infrastructure with a climate change lens and make sure that we have resiliency within our systems. It's very early days, of course. 
Um, but I've heard from some in an industry that there could be concerns that's, well, if we are focused very much on this rebuilding efforts, maybe that could delay other projects uh, moving forward in BC. Do, do you have concerns about economic growth going into 2022 after we really had kind of a, a blistering year so far in 2021? I'm very confident that we're going to continue to see strong economic growth. Uh, we're going to have to build some of that infrastructure that uh, has been damaged. It's been actually shown that some of that infrastructure is critical, not just for British Columbia, but for the country as a whole. And so we're going to have to invest to, to make those repairs. Canada has uh, stepped up and said that they're going to be a partner in that rebuilding. And, uh, and we're going to do that. And so uh, overall, I'm still feeling very confident that we're going to continue to see strong growth in the years ahead. One of the things that I've been writing a lot lately with regards to tech sector is diversity or, or lack thereof. We are making strides, but it doesn't necessarily seem as if the tech sector right now reflects what uh, BC looks like. Um, what needs to be done to make sure that you know we're, we're tapping the talent that, that's needed right now and, and it's kind of equitable and, and it reflects BC as a province? Well, the, the, you've, ha- you've highlighted the challenge and the good news is that um, everyone I speak to in the tech community in particular uh, understands that, they, that we need to do better. Uh, collectively. Uh, we just recently announced a fund that uh, helps um, uh, offset some costs for employers who hire uh, someone from the BIPOC community or an underrepresented group uh, for their first job. Uh, we set ambitious targets and uh, you know, just about a month into that fund, I think we're going to exceed that and we're going to have to do a lot more of that as we move forward. It's critical for us to, if we want to see the true potential be uh, shown in our economy, that um, that communities that were disproportionately impacted by the pandemic see an opportunity to be part of that economic growth. And so the tech community, the province, the federal government, we're going to have to work closely together to make sure that we can start to uh, give people the opportunities to participate in the growing and changing economy. Uh, thinking about the, the growing, changing economy, um... About a year ago, you know, a, a unicorn was a, a very rare sight here in the BC tech landscape, and uh, we're, we're approaching number 15 at, at this point right now. Uh, what's your takeaway on the, this massive growth, in which it's just unprecedented for us to deliver so many companies that have valuations of uh, $1 billion US or more? Well, I think it's fantastic, and uh, it uh, reflects the hard work many of these folks have been doing uh, to make their com- company successful. I've had a chance to meet with a whole bunch of them uh, over the last uh, two weeks in particular, uh, and meeting with many of them in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, I think what makes uh, this uh, super exciting for uh, us in the province is that uh, we're seeing the entire ecosystem grow. We're seeing people uh, start to know what's, what's driving the economy here is in particular is our people and uh, in every company that I talk to that's looking to invest in British Columbia and there's many of them uh, they say it's because of the talent that we have and the uh, the ecosystem developing that talent with government and and so we're going to continue to put a big focus on that as we go forward. Uh, I'll leave you off with this question. Uh, you bring up the talents uh, issue here. And uh, one of the reasons a lot of these big you know, multinationals are being drawn here is because of the relatively low labor costs compared to Silicon Valley, compared with Seattle, Boston, New York. Um, wages, uh, how do we manage? Like These are macroeconomic uh, issues going on right now, but uh, many Canadian uh, workers are very concerned about stagnant wages at the moment. Is there a way for government policy to, to do anything at this point? Is it about the you know private sector working itself out? Um, a lot of people are concerned right now. 
Well, we've seen the, the wages in the last four years go, um, the average wage go up $5 an hour. Uh, and we know that if we have an economy where um, it, it depends on people being uh, struggling or, or being poor, that's not an economy that works for people. It's not an economy that will work for us in the future. So we want to see wages go up. And, and part of that is uh, going to be uh, addressing productivity. Uh, we do have an economic plan that will be coming out in the new year that really will set us uh, going forward 10, 15 years from now. And that's what we hear from the people in our communities all the time, that we're dealing with a crisis right now. It's important that we have the supports in place, but we need government and, and, and the private sector and others to be looking 10 years, 15 years to make sure that our economy is resilient as we go forward. And that's the work we'll be doing. And I'm looking forward to being able to share that in a public way very soon. Excellent. Minister, uh, I always appreciate your insights. I just want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much, Tyler. Stay safe. That is Ravi Kalan. He is BC's Minister of Jobs, Economic Recovery and Innovation. And that is it for the show today. But you can go to BIV.com, more interviews, more stories right there. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.